0: Hi, I'm Justin Boyd.
1: I'm Brittany Pacheco.
0: Tristan Jones.
2: Marcy
1: <laughs> And Luna, <laughs> who's joining us in the background. And we are the Watchers in the Basement.
0: Welcome to the Watchers in the Basement today. Today, we are here to discuss the eighth episode of the HBO series, The Last of Us. title of the episode is, When We Are In Need. So before we unpack the episode, let's do like always. Go around the room, get our overall thoughts of the episode. We'll start with you, Brittany. What did you think about this episode?
1: Man, if you can't hear Luna in the background, I apologize. Uh, She's she's on alert, y'all. She's embracing her inner Ellie, which I think is so appropriate because, God damn, this episode. I think this jumped to probably be my new favorite episode. You know, and I, I don't... I feel like I've said this like three times already for the series, but man, this episode was on a different level. It was very Ellie focused, but we saw a level of, of ferocity that I, I wasn't anticipating seeing this, like not this soon or at all, but I feel for her. I was getting mad as hell during what was happening throughout this episode i appreciated her level of badassness but my heart also broke for her at the very end because i don't know if she'll be able to recover from this particular experience with this uh this quote-unquote supportive group that she spent a short amount of time with overall this episode was just incredible all the feelings pedro pascal's also had a great performance the, the last scene is what absolutely broke me as a human being, but we'll we'll definitely talk more about that when when we cross it. Uh, Tristan, I, I want to hear your thoughts, sir, because you're a huge fan of this game. You brought us you brought this show into our our lives, like
3: I did. I did. I, I would like to collect uh <laughs> commissions, uh oh, all of goodness. the above. Oh my goodness. First first a story. In October 2021. I told the world, I broadcast this on social media. I said, hey, the Golden State Warriors are going to win the 2021-2022 NBA championship. Book it. Check. In October 2022, I told the world, hey, the Houston Astros, they're going to win this in six. I'm going to tell you exactly how this is going to go. They're going to lose the first game, they're going to win the next game. I told the world, they can't listen told the world the last of us was going to be one of those shows right i told it's going to break records it's going to um it's going to be one of those shows that gets you emotionally it gets you the, the action the storytelling the writing every this this episode kind of cemented for me because I, I i absolutely know that they're going to stick the landing on this finale this is one of the most prolific opening seasons in television history Right? I think it, it's done everything possible to warrant like that level of praise. Like we've already had what? Three classic episodes It's off top. I mean, I mean like capital C classic, mm-hmm. right? And then we just have everything after that is just really, really, really good uh, hours of television. Um, like there's about three or four episodes that I could argue are my favorite of this season, mm-hmm. legitimately. Um, but again, we know what HBO does with penultimate um, episodes. This one just continues the lineage <laughs> that we have, like all the Game of Thrones penultimates, The Sopranos penultimates, uh, The Wire penultimates. Like it just it it deserves to be amongst that lore with those uh, elite te- television programs. Um, suffice to say, I love this episode. <laughs> um, I already watched it twice. I didn't have a chance to take notes, but. I'm gonna rock out regardless. I'm, I know, I know. My kids were testing today, so <laughs> uh, I had no understood. Reality. But I definitely, got my, I definitely got that rewatching in. I, I don't care what's happening.
1: <laughs> and I, and I will attest to Tristan's, uh, no, no, as I like to call him now. <laughs> the man does not lead us astray. Marcy, has he led you astray?
3: No. <laughs> I would know I value, I, I value y'all too
0: much. Is Tristan our David or what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> no oh <way>. my
1: God. <laughs> Bite your tongue or <laughs> I'm or I'm going to break your finger. Just saying. <laughs> yeah.
2: So Marcy, know, what are your Marcy. thoughts on the episode? I am so glad I listened to Tristan and gave the show a chance. I was like, Brittany I was like, mm, zombie shows, not really my jam. Like, The first episode i was just kind of very iffy about it and tristan told us he was like nope just keep watching it's gonna get better like i promise so second episode i was like okay like yes it got better episode three which we know was awesome that like made me a fan so tristan thank you for (laughs) for you know talking some sense into us this was a great episode it again, it had everything. It had action, which some people online say like some of the past episodes haven't had enough action for them. So I think this had a good amount of action. It was violent, which I tend to, again, look away when something's too violent, but this was like, Ellie is a badass type of violence was like, no, like I have to watch this. Uh, It was great and like you Brittany that scene at the end oh my gosh yes that got me so nope great episode
3: and to be clear I when I made the prediction when I when, you know when I was kind of hyping up this episode I'm basing it off and I'm sure we'll talk about this later as we normally do like I'm basing this off the you know the adaptation from the game and there's way more action in in this particular section of the game so I thought there, I thought it was going to be like a full-on Call of Duty uh, episode, and you know they adapted it perfect, you know, perfectly for television. But I was expecting ten times more, more action uh, than we got, and and they still, uh, they still stuck the landing on it. So beautiful.
0: Yeah, I mean, like Tristan was saying, like this to, to me, this was like a classic penultimate episode for an HBO show. We saw it with Game of Thrones, like you know, season three of Game of Thrones. The the Red Wedding was the the second to last episode, obviously the first season of game of Thrones, not that I want to spoil the game of Thrones, but there's a big character death in the first season, the ninth episode. So this was along the same lines as those shows. And with that, you have, uh, you know, with Ellie, I think you have like, it's, it's kind of a character defining episode or or certainly a character defining moment Mm -hmm. at the end of this episode. And, uh, you know, she chose violence, you know, and like, I, I liked it. I thought it was great. Like she channeled
1: her inner Cersei. Like,
0: no, it was, uh, you
1: go Liana Mormont. You go. Yes.
0: (laughs) I mean, when she's, when she's killing David with that, uh, that knife, man, she is going for it. And I can't say I blame her. I mean, she was in an awful situation. We'll get into that though. So, but to start off with, I want to talk about, so we're going to focus a lot on Ellie as we should, this was a very Ellie uh, focused episode, but I want to talk about the two new characters we meet in this episode. We meet a character named David, who is kind of presented to us as like kind of a good guy. And, and uh, he's a school teacher turned preacher. And he's the leader of this uh, group. That's, I mean, let's just, it's a religious cult. Right. And then his, uh, his right-hand man is this guy named James who is played by Troy Baker who, of course, is the voice of Joel from the video game series. He's also the host of the Companion podcast. So it's very exciting for him to, you know, for someone like him who's more involved in this story, this has been a huge part of his life. So for him to get to be a part of the live action interpretation, I think that's a really cool moment. Um, but but back to David, who's the leader of this group. So I'm going to ask you all, there are there are varying levels of how bad this guy you know, he he drops like, seems like every 10 minutes in the episode, it's like, you think he's bad, it gets worse. This is like, gotta be the worst villain so far in this show, right? He's the most villainous character we've seen in season one. Right? I mean, like, there's no, is there any competition, really? Like, there's no, he's the worst human being by far.
1: Listen, at this point, after watching David, I was rooting for that bloater. Like, I, and I don't like the look of these these infected people. Um, quick yeah. shout out to uh Melissa here. Uh, Bella Slay is the big bad in both of her big shows. That's very true. Um, appreciate you being here, Melissa. Um, so there's no competition because I think early, earlier in this series, it was made mentioned, I think, by Joel to Ellie that the worst enemy really here are people, and I think this very much rang true when it came to david you can hide behind a mask of righteousness and try to push off your agenda whatever that agenda may be the moment that we first met him with his group and they were uh, listening to him uh, quote a verse from revelations and and you see this young girl crying and she's upset about because her father was was is dead and she wants to bury him and he gives this look off to to what was his name again james he said it was james yeah. james and it, there was this unspoken word passed and i'm like oh he's hiding something like i already knew right off the bat he was hiding something that he didn't want to say to the girl and gives the excuse of well the ground is too cold or too solid mm-hmm. we'll bury him in the spring and i'm like nope there's something about that there's something mm-hmm. weird about that, like, you you can find a way to bury this this father, right? It, it, there was just something off from the get-go. Uh, Tristan, like, the introduction of David to us, like, you, you obviously know more than we do when it comes down to this game, so. Uh,
3: not really. Um, oh. so, so a lot of the religious aspects of this episode are not present in the game. That was um, adapted and... In, 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 change or added on to, uh, by Craig Mazin. Um, that's, it's just not something we see. What we see with, with David is we see, we see when, when Ellie, um, is tracking the deer. So like in the game, this is the first time that you actually get to play as Ellie. It's Mm -hmm. after, you know, Joel has been impaled. Um, Ellie gets him to, um, uh, house, and she takes off with the horse, and she goes to like actually go hunt for food, hunt, hunt, hunt for deer, hunt for rabbits, um, whatever she can find. And you know, there's this thing where you have to like, you have to, you're trying to shoot the deer from afar, just like she is, and you got to shoot it maybe three, four times. You know, every time you shoot it, it gets wounded and it moves to a different area. Eventually, this all leads Ellie to James and uh, David at the Silver Lake uh, Resort, or just outside of it. And the same thing, like she, she, uh, they negotiate medicine for half the deer, uh, James leaves. So that part is, you know, perfectly, you know, parallel from the game. Um, but there's a, there's a point where, so when they're sitting at the fire and David is talking to Ellie, um, the dialogue isn't as rich as it is in the show. Like, I don't think he tells her that he used to be a school teacher. May have been clue number one. Right as like some of his intentions and you know the demons that he has within him, but that you know a lot of this, what you saw last night was probably about ten percent more than what's in the game. So a lot of the stuff I was finding out at the same time about David and I thought like there were like really good uh, adaptations by the showrunners from the game.
1: Did him being a school teacher? Make you feel some type of way.
3: <laughs> no, but like when he said it, again, like you, you're kind of piecing these parts of like who David is, right? Like going into this episode, I knew David was bad. That's the only thing. Like I knew the end part, I knew it was bad, I knew how, how it would end. Um, but like the, the breadcrumbs that lead you to, I mean, you're starting to think as Ellie, right? And from Ellie's perspective, and she's coming across these two men and she's just trying to get some food. She's also trying to re- keep this anonymity um with who she is with who joel is so there's, there's all these different things playing in her head so when i'm watching the episode hopefully you know we're all watching the episode and we're looking at this from ellie's perspective right just kind of fear feeling the anxiety of hey i need this food but i need this medicine these are two men i've also i've been told not to trust anybody right and like like this different dichotomy the cognitive dissonance that's going through her head um is like super palpable from the screen so, yeah, when he was like, yeah, I used to be a school teacher. Swear. Oops, sorry, Siri. So, yeah, I used to be a school teacher and then I became a preacher. Like, first of all, those are two professions <laughs> that have a uh, bad history when it comes to abuse and children and stuff like that. So, like, the show is, is putting, giving us these breadcrumbs to let us know that, you know, there's more to David than what meets the eye.
1: For more information about the abuse that Tristan just spoke about, listen to their 1923 pods. Just saying. (laughs) Marcy, let us know your thoughts on David.
2: I didn't trust him from the beginning. I was like, okay. Even if I didn't know anything about the game, which I don't, (laughs) I saw these guys. I was like, nope, not to be trusted. Especially, you know, Ellie, she's telling them, like, stop right there. I will shoot you. Like, just stop um, he's like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. We'll put our guns down, but, uh, give me just a few minutes of your time. And I'm like, oh, this is one of those guys, right. That you're telling him to go away. But he's like, oh, well, let, let me just kind of have a moment of your time. Like that type of, of guy. Um, I just get a bad feeling, um, because there's always something, um, lurking behind there. Um, so didn't like him. From the beginning. Um, and she was right not to trust them, but she let her guard down. And unfortunately, she had to trade with them to in order to get the penicillin to help Joel get better. But um, no, not to be trusted from the beginning. I was like, nope. These and guys are bad.
3: Kind of going back to the beginning when we really first meet um uh, David in the steakhouse, right? And he's pre like you say, he's preaching. Mm-hmm. Went through Revelation, he tells uh Hannah, I think her name is that they can't bury a dad. Like there's so many contrasts that we should we 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 should see. But like the main one is look at the, the faces of the congregation. Like normally, like, yeah, this is a religious cult, but in most religious cults, there's like excitement about the person right. that they're following, right? There's there's a look of exaltation, right? And you see them, everybody's down, they're despondent. And I don't think it's just because Hannah's dad died. Like there it's been six months, they're starving. Rations are low. They're they're running out of rations. Like it's in the deep of winter in Colorado. Like this, like there's just not a lot of hope for hunting, for planting things. Like they look hopeless. And David looks spry. Like he's, I mean, dressed well, you know, hair done. Like there's a clear uh distinction between how he's thriving and how the rest of his flock is thriving. I think we see, yeah, we see that then.
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing with me with David is, you know, you obviously he's going to be the villain, but to me, it's like, in the, you know, when you'll know, reference the speech or, you know, the, the, he's given that sermon in the beginning. Um, My thought is like, I guess the only power he has over these people is just religion, right? He's using religion as a way to manipulate these people because there's nothing else. that seems like, why is he the leader? Right. That's, that's, that's my thing. That was initially it was. And then as you see, it goes on, you see that he, it is just, he's just a master manipulator he has a hold over these people. And you know, the part where I go, Oh, this guy's really bad is when he backhanded that girl, uh, Hannah, whose father died. And we learn later on that her father was the one who stabbed Joel in episode six and then of course joe killed the guy that was her dad and that to me like i wasn't expecting that to be put together you know to put all i mean that's that was well done because uh you know we needed that uh to because i mean if, it, if it's just a random person you're like because initially when they talk about how your your father's died he was gone i'm thinking like okay well what happened to this guy and then later on it's like oh was he was he killed for food? <laughs> like, did they kill him because you know, like they're gonna eat him?
1: And and that's a great segue to Melissa's comment here in the chat. Anyone else notice how David got like three times more food on his plate than anyone else? And and that was one of the things I I said out loud while watching this this episode. I'm like, why why does he have more food? Like everyone has like little little bit of. They had little like pizza. a stew
0: they had like a stew but he had like a plate of meat yeah
1: yeah and the meat that was venison right the meat that was brought to the the cooks in the kitchen it venison but it seemed like a very low amount in general and it's it was just like it was for me it was a little confusing because i thought well they they got the deer didn't they like the deer should have had way more meat off 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 its bones But then when they came in with the actual deer, I was just like, oh, this is not deer. This is not deer. (laughs) So uh, welcome, Yesenia, to the chat. Appreciate you being here. She says it's a horrifying episode.
3: I agree. And also, I mean, we'll uh, we'll talk about this later. But when Joel um, sneaks into one of the buildings where they're holding like the, the dead bodies, he sees the deer. So like the deer had clearly not have been even opened up yet. Right. So
0: was it the deer or the horse? Well the horse was there. There was the, a horse there for sure. Yeah.
3: The horse was there. I think the deer I mean it looked like a deer. I, I on the second thing it looked like Four, a deer.
1: four-legged big animal. Yeah. There yeah. there was something in there.
3: Yeah. First time I thought it was a horse in there had been, and it may have been a horse. I could have had that wrong. But um I definitely want to t- I definitely want to come back to the food and how much he had on his plate when we talk about the scene with uh with him and Ellie when Ellie's in the cage um, because he says something when he's talking to Ellie and I, we'll get to it, but he says something that relates all the way back to how much food was on his plate. And I, I can't wait to get there and talk about that.
1: I'm a little concerned now of <laughs> your enthusiasm, <laughs> just saying.
0: So, so we'll get back to the plot. So like we, we've, we've already talked about how Ellie shoots the deer uh, James and, uh, David come upon her. They try to make a trade. They, they end up making a trade where she gets penicillin. She needs something to help Joel. Joel is back at that, at that abandoned home and he's recovering. She needs to give him something. Uh, he's obviously still in bad shape. Um, that's when we, that's when we learn. like David explains that, you know, he, he wasn't always a man of God. He found God after the apocalypse. He's now this, he's now become the leader of this group. And then he also tells Ellie about, hey, like, you know, there was this, you know, there's a guy in our group that died and he, he, he had a little girl like you. And, uh, you know, basically he knows that like Ellie and Joel are together. And so that, that kind of, you know, that kind of sets the story on, on the path that we were on. And then, uh, Ellie takes Joel Joel
3: is killed his, uh, her dad, her dad, right. Her dad. Right.
0: one of his, uh, one of the members of his congregation, I guess you'd say, um, Ellie takes the medicine back to, uh, the home and she, uh, injects Joel. You can tell she doesn't know what to do. I mean, I wouldn't know what to do either with the penicillin, but she just injects it right where he has that big, huge wound on his stomach. Uh, that looked pretty bad.
1: Yeah yeah that was that was pretty pretty gross. It it looked very infected. It was not getting better. It was oozing. I absolutely hated the scene of her injecting the penicillin in him. And I thought to myself because this is a real thing, people are penicillin to uh, allergic to penicillin. It's like what if he's allergic to penicillin and he dies? That's no, how just, he dies. <laughs> you know, it's one of one of those situations. I I I've, I felt bad for for both of them because Joel obviously is in in really rough shape Ellie doesn't know how to help him and you see how she's rationing what's left of the food that they got from what was it Jackson mm-hmm. and she's like telling him like I'm I'm going to leave I'm going to go you know find help or something like that and comes back and she's just like Joe, wake up, wake up. What the fuck do I do? Joe, wake up. What the fuck do I do? Like you see how much she needs him because I wouldn't know how much to to inject in him and like where to put it. I mean, one would think the arm, but you got to do the tourniquet and you got to like, you know, find the vein, et cetera, to inject it directly into the wound. (sighs) Gross. Mercy, Mar- what do you think about that?
3: They look for federal schools.
2: And- a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Maybe that's what they teach them. I don't know. Um, I wonder, and again, I don't know anything about administering penicillin or any type of intravenous drugs, but I'm wondering if because she put it so close to the wound, maybe that's why it seemed to have a, a fast effect on Joel later on. Um, that could be interesting. If anybody knows, like, please let us know because I have no clue. But Um, Yeah, that was hard. I also wouldn't know what to do. I probably would have done the same thing that she did. Um, And I like that she thought on her feet of like trading that, right? Like any other character might not have thought like, hey, maybe I can trade half of this deer for this penicillin to help Joel feel better. Um, So kudos to Ellie for just kind of thinking about that. This
1: This was some Oregon Trail level shit yeah i was also very impressed mm-hmm. with her when she told james and and david to drop their weapons you know back away james has already left she she uh dislodges the the bullets inside yeah. the the guns just just in case right like mm-hmm. I, I was very impressed with how she under pressure she was still keeping her composure
3: and so many of the decisions that are made in this episode are kind of speak to the theme of like deprivation right and it goes back to like the, the title of the episode when we are in need um you could finish that sentence by hey when we are in need in need we do desperate things like eat people right Or when we're in desperate need we you know trade penicillin for this deer meat that we need to eat you know when we're in need you know we leave Joel in his garage because rations are running out we only have so much food as it is and it's time to like actually go make stuff happen, um, and you know we see that like David, I, one could argue. I think I think, and David knows that he's always been bad in some type of sense. But I could see a world where he set out to like do good for the people around him, and you know things happen. Um, I think that whole group is just poor hunters and just they they ill suited to like survival. Right. But like the deprivation led to them saying, hey, we'll save this dear meat and let's, you know, eat our own dead. Like everything in this episode is kind of predicated off of not having a lot of options and the the threat of not surviving is like imminent. And then so like they had, actually have to go do things. Right. Ellie had to go leave and find food because there was no other option right and she had to take all the things that Joel taught her and kind of start to apply those things right in a tactile way her taking the bullets out that that could only have come from joel and just understanding under pressure let me you know take these empty this out um her following david um while james went to go with the medicine she had no other choice right that she was they were deprived she was deprived of options right so um Again, this goes all the way back to the title "When we are in need," um, it plays into like so many of the decisions that all the characters make um, and ultimately leads us to to where we are in the plot
0: yeah so so Ellie is left Joel, she's trying to lead james and or, I'm sorry David and James and his group of guys away from Joel, and she gets captured and you know, you can tell David tells his group, you know, take her alive." But they're trying to kill her. I mean, let's let's be real. When James shoots that horse like, yeah, the horse is a big target, but he's shooting at her and he just you know, hits the horse. And I mean, she takes a tremendous fall and they're able to capture. Her. You know, it's honestly surprising that she doesn't die from the horse falling on her just from the fall itself. That's a pretty brutal way in the snow to, uh, you know, be taken off your horse.
1: And it appeared that he shot at the horse's head, which I mean, still a fairly large target, but Ellie's head is very close to the horse's head as well. So one could argue for sure that he could have accidentally killed Ellie in, in the process of trying to stop that horse. But yeah, to have quote unquote faith in David as the leader, but he's, challenging david's motives of right. of why he wants to bring ellie back i think was rightfully rightfully said or rightfully made because to james it's like this is just another mouth to feed
3: right.
1: and and he didn't think that she deserved that because she and her accomplice killed this this man of theirs his, his friend and when they james and, and the group approach her while she's on the ground unconscious one says kill her like do it but then david fires a warning shot in the air and comes and picks her up and and says okay go look for go look for the man you know whoever he is and he carries her back to to their uh compound if you will i'm gonna call it a compound
3: <laughs> the resort um, the compound James. James is deprived of so many things, especially when it comes to David. He's the he's deprived of vengeance, right? Like, he he is dead set on, on vengeance, um, for Hannah's dad. He's deprived, of, we find out, he's deprived of respect from David. Like, there's uh, Brittany, you mentioned like the beginning where there's a look between those two, and we, you know. I think the show at the beginning of the episode wants us to look at James and David as equals, right? Even though, you know, David is a leader, James is kind of being framed as uh, David's right-hand man. But we come to find out later in the episode that David doesn't respect like any of them at all, right? And, And even the way that David responds to being challenged by James, he doesn't even respond with words for the most part. It's more just kind of like a look, right? Again, more bread comes to let us know that David is not good dad, <laughs> as he's kind of being uh, portrayed as he, there's a, there's a sadistic streak, there's a, a violent streak, there's a narcissistic streak there, and everybody sees it. We see it in the, in the, in the congregation when they're eating, we see it at the beginning, we see it in the looks that James and the rest of their crew have um, when David turns around and just kind of gives that look. It's like, oh, you know, we don't what's gonna happen or you know how is he gonna retaliate or like he doesn't look at anybody as equals even though he kind of tries to gaslight Ellie into making her think that he's he you know wants to view her as an equal he doesn't right she's a she's there to serve a purpose um for him for his you know sadism um for his narcissism so on and so forth.
0: So now, so, you know, Ellie's captured. David tells a couple of his guys to, to now look for Joel, look for the man. Yeah. So he, they go looking for him. Ellie's taken to this cage where this is a pretty, pretty pivotal scene where David's talking to her. And I mean, he says a lot to her, to me, one of the strangest things is he talks about his like admiration for the cordyceps. Like he talks about how he, he talks about how, you know, they're not evil. He's like they're fruitful. The it mu- multiplies. It feeds and protects its children, and it secures its future with violence if it must. It loves and like right there again. Like I said, there's these levels of him like progressing to like being more of a villain in this in this episode. And it's like he hits the little girl. You know, you can tell he's maybe abusing the girl of some some way. Then you know now like here. <laughs> you know you're 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 trying to kill people or whatever you're now you're talking about how you you know you're motivated or you you think that, like the quarter steps is not a bad thing or like you've learned to like kind of see like there's a positive to that which is pretty crazy um later on we see some more steps of him going like to the become the worst villain in the show can, I, can um, we talk
3: about I'll, this is the part i wanted to talk about um because, so he he says, you know, he starts to describe the cordyceps as basically feeding off each other um, to get stronger, taking care of its children. You know, like I said, um, protecting its future with violence. Mm-hmm. When he's talking about the cordyceps, David is talking about himself, yeah. right? And then go back to how the congregation views him, um, how he treats the congregation as a leader. We mentioned him having more food than everybody else. He's literally feeding off his own congregation in order to make himself stronger, vis-a-vis cordyceps, right? Just like cordyceps are. Um, and so he says something interesting earlier again when he's talking to Ellie um, at the fire, and Ellie, you know, kind of questions um, the logic of him finding God after the apocalypse, and. I don't think he found God after the apocalypse. What I think David did was he saw the world end and he saw what the cordyceps were doing to the world. And instead of fearing that, he admires that because it allows him to release a lot of like the baser instincts and baser notions that he has about people. Um I'm pretty sure that he's always been a sexual abuser. Right. He says, like, I've I've had these these this violence within me, I've had this evil within me. And I'll try to, you know, tamper it down as a lot of sexual abusers, child abusers, so on, like as they do. And when the world ended, it just basically gave him free reign to like just let all this go. Right. And and to him, that's finding God. But what he's doing is use, as most religious cult leaders do, yeah. is use God, use religion. As an anchor for the people around them, right, to tie them to, right. I'm the father, <laughs> right. I'm the man. I'm the, you know. I get the big piece of chicken. I, I, no one questions my decisions, and we do this because I'm speaking to you all through. Well, God is speaking to you all through me, right. It, it's, it's the worst kind of gaslighting it's the worst kind of narcissism because he's appointed himself as this messenger of God. And he, he fortifies this title, this, this position through violence, through abuse uh, and things like that. And what he's doing is using the cordyceps as like the, the, the mantle, the mantle. Yeah. The, the mantle for which, He's able to do these things. Like he he literally the way he's talking about it, he admires them. He says they love, right? Cordyceps, they love, right? Tess would agree with him. <laughs> but
0: uh,
1: his, oh.
3: but his ah. that's not love that he's talking about. He's he's talking about, you know, taking advantage of something and using the the Cordyceps behavior and religion as like the catalyst for for his abuse.
1: I mean, that's just being like a dictator, you know. You you have the fear, you you embrace that fear that people have, and you you mold it to be your weapon of power, right? And yeah, David's twisted. Marcy, wh- what 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 do you make of David and his projections of being this kind of righteous individual?
2: I mean, it's bullshit that like <laughs> I could see right through, but I think. Um, sometimes it's hard for people to see through that, especially if they feel like they need something or someone to believe in, or like Tristan said, an anchor. Um, so I can see how some people might just kind of be subjected to that. I thought the whole cordyceps speech that he gave was interesting. I was like, I, I mean, I kind of see where you're going, but again, I'm not buying this. Um, but I did think that it was interesting that, while, you know, this whole apocalypse is going on because of cordyceps and, you know, it's this terrible fungus, penicillin came in. And that's the reason that Joel was able to then, you know, do what he did and protect Ellie in the end. So it's like, okay, like, yes, there are some good fungi, but cordyceps, I wouldn't like say that, like, that's the good fungus. It like literally caused the whole apocalypse, but, um, no, like he's just a bad dude that, like Tristan said, is using religion to just kind of glorify himself. And he's always been this type of bad person. He just capitalized upon the whole situation to again, glorify himself and to like meet the urges urges that he has, right? Like I'm sure that Ellie's not the first girl that he tried to abuse. I'm sure he might be abusing other women or girls in the congregation.
1: Well, especially with Hannah, The first time we again meet him in the congregation and she's in tears listening to the verse from Revelations and he kneels down and speaks gently to her softly. Right. Like you you may feel that you don't have a father anymore, but you do. And it's like, are you referring to yourself, sir? Because that is disturbing beyond any measure whatsoever mm-hmm. and we got that kind of reiteration especially with Hannah again at the dinner table when he says you all may have heard this rumor that that we encountered this this girl and the the person that she's with killed whatever his name was and Hannah speaks up again she goes we should find them and kill them and he walks over to her and backhands slaps her and 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 then he like gives out his hand as if here, let me help you up. And she seems very fearful of what is he going to do next?
3: He makes her reach for the hand.
1: Yes. In a
3: way of like saying, oh, you're, you're reaching towards me. Like you're accepting me as, mm-hmm. as your father, or as this, this patriarchal figure, like that's mm-hmm. classic abuse, you know, mm-hmm. classic abuse a trope, you know, like make yeah. you hurt you. And then make you come back to me in the way that I want to
1: crazy mentality and crazy way of like gaslighting people. It's, it's just, that's all on a whole other level. Like I, I, this, this episode made me so mad on so many different levels and, and it's all thanks to David. So thank you.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said, he's a master manipulator and he tries it with Ellie. He says, you know, tells her that, you know, he sees her as an equal. He's like, you know, you're a natural leader. You're smart. You're loyal. But most importantly, you're violent. You know, she, he says, he tells her that she has a violent heart and so does he that's the, you know, that's one of their kindred spirits. And, you know, again, it's she's. A
2: little, oh, sorry. I yes. was just going to say that's a little like grooming technique yeah. right there.
0: Yeah. She's 14 years old. He's like mid 40s, 50s or something. You know, it's not, not, not ideal, you know, <laughs> but. Yeah. You know, he, he tells her that everything happens for a reason, which uh, that gets turned on him later in the episode uh by by ellie but uh so while while he's trying to convince her to you know to to join him she she has a discovery while she's sitting on the ground in the cage she notices there's an ear and at this point i hadn't I hadn't put it together yet they were eating people so because it's before we saw that you know then you're like oh yeah that makes sense because if you remember in one of the previous scenes whenever they got the deer one of the guys in the kitchen brings I think it's that the the guy that died, I think it's his wife, is the one who's in the kitchen, and they have these pieces of cut up meat. And she goes, "What is it?" And he said, "It's venison," but he's not the most, con- you know, not in the most convincing way. There's, there's a
1: pregnant pause, and right, then he's but like, then you, "You watch venison. her
0: with her hands on this bloody meat, dipping it, or dunking it into like you know, like a, you know, a, st- a pot or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's probably her husband's body. Did y'all think about that? Or Am, am I wrong, or is it like?"
1: No I don't I don't think you're off base on that. It's That's, it's yeah. it, it probably it makes the whole situation just that much worse. Obviously yeah. she she is handling possibly handling her deceased husband's meat. Yeah. There's there's no other way of saying that without saying oh, that. <laughs> sorry not like that you can <laughs> not like that Tristan stop it no but but she is like how is she gonna
3: land this come on <laughs>
1: his remains fine I don't know how to say it I hate y'all I'll cook it all up too no but she's literally handling what's his remains and putting it in the stew that that everyone in this congregation including herself and her daughter are going to to eat but then I wonder too in this moment was david actually eating the deceased friend as well or somewhere some someone actually got like real meat like venison and gave that to him and that's why he's got like three times more than everyone else i don't know
3: Ugh.
0: yeah it's interesting cuz i mean you know it's not the same like we said everyone else is like getting a stew and he's getting a plate full of meat and like vegetables you know like it's like he's like actually eating at a steakhouse where they're kind of like in a soup line or something. Getting yeah. And that same and
1: that same widow gets up from the table when David sits down to go get his plate, and I, I was just like, "Uh, he's got legs. He he can go get his own food. Like the leader of this congregation should lead by example and get his own damn food. Like just saying, yeah. just saying."
0: So, so the bad guy checklist is he's a religious cult leader. He is a <laughs> cordyceps enthusiast admirer sympathizer and now he's a cannibal so oh and also probably a sexual abuser i mean almost definitely a sexual abuser so you know this guy he's almost like a five tool player in (laughs) in baseball terms for for a bad guy um yeah, not 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 a good dude, this David. Um, he's a um, narcissist. I mean, I, I, yeah. I think all
3: of all of these things are you know buoyed on by the fact that he is a narcissist, and he sees himself above the people he's supposed to be leading. But when he talks to uh, Ellie, and he he calls them sheep, right? <laughs> like, but not in not in the uh, not in any type of endearing way. Like, I'm the shepherd, and I'm here to lead them to the promised land or lead them to um you know whatever any type of success it's these are people beneath me and it literally pains me to try to leave them they're not my equal intellectually they're not my equal physically like they don't they're not able to like understand the hard truths of this world um which is bullshit because they maybe they may be able to understand more truths if you weren't lying to them all the time like it's that, again this is a narcissism like trope of lying to people and then saying that they're not able to handle the truth right like these two things don't don't job like you didn't want to tell Hannah that you brought her dad's remains back to basically supplement the lack of actual food that you all have Right. Like you, they're eating. I mean, I'm sure Hannah was eating her own father too. Like, yeah. Yeah.
0: Narcy. Which
1: I want to ask the question uh, to both, but I'm going to start with Marcy. Marcy, when David comes to talk to Ellie, the moment that she realizes that there's an ear on the floor of where she's being held captive, he brings her food, you know, a bowl mm. of probably the stew, and he, and, of course, Ellie puts two and two together. She's smart. She kicks the food away and says, you're you're fucking eating people. And he goes, well, for what it's worth, that wasn't people. Like, that was real. Do you think he was being honest in that? Given all the lies that he's been telling since
2: we've met the man.
1: Like, do you think he was being real with her or just trying to manipulate her even
2: more? Hell no. Like, he was lying and manipulating. Like, that was 100% another person um
1: yeah. yeah no yeah I, Tristan
3: uh no I'm not giving him any benefit of the doubt <laughs> um, again I I haven't seen anybody cutting up a deer right and why would of all people and he says like yeah I was going to tell you eventually I, <laughs> but like why of all people would you give the deer meat to the the person you have, you know, you have held captive instead of like, you know, the actual people who've been following you. If there is a case for that being real food, it's from the fact that he clearly does not respect anybody um, that's in that congregation, mm-hmm. and he has at least shown some level of admiration, even though it's completely grooming um, towards Ellie. But I still don't think it was real food because why? Why would it be? Yeah.
0: Justin, your your thoughts. No, I, I yeah, I don't think it was because I don't think they have real food except for potentially that deer and maybe that horse. But we see the horse is still in pretty much intact, and, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. I feel like there's not a. I mean, this all happens in a short period of time. I believe it's probably like a day or two max. Um, so maybe the deer was still you know in their in their meat locker or whatever with all the the dead bodies that are that are, that are hanging there. So um, yeah, I, I, find- I don't see why he would.
1: Yeah. I just want to know, like outside of the obvious, because Joe, Joel, sorry, I want to keep calling him Joe. Joel killed Hannah's father, and that's presumably the person that they're they're eating. How does this work outside of not getting your regular deer and elk? Like, do they just like pick off someone and just say, hey, let's like take them out back and shoot them? Or they're just hoping that they die of like illness. You know what I'm saying? Like, last resort kind of situation? What, what's happening? Of,
3: I think the way the show kind of frames is like, they're just eating <laughs> like someone, somebody dies and they don't bury them. Like, mm-hmm. that's why they got them, you know, hanging up in the little meat locker, basically. Um well, Yeah, it's, they're it's inv- when you die at Silver Lake, you become inventory.
0: <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much what that oh, is. Oh,
1: man. Move, move away from all this talk of yeah. cannibalism
0: <laughs> so meanwhile uh so joel is there you know they're the the guys from david's group are pursuing him and joel wakes up thankfully and he he he's able to take down a couple of the guys who are coming after him he yeah ellie
1: them. ellie left him armed
0: yeah gave him a knife mm-hmm. that was enough for joel to <laughs> torture these two guys it's
1: pretty good. Which, real, real quick. I sorry. I got to say, I got to share this comment. This is great from Melissa. Some kind of insane <laughs> musical chairs. Winner becomes dinner. <laughs> Damn it. It's pretty good. Continue.
2: Justin. Sorry.
0: Yeah, no, I was just saying like, you know, the scene where Joel, you know, takes them, these two guys, ties them up, tortures the guys, ends up making them tell him where Ellie is making them tell him, that, first of all, that she's alive and where, where they took her. And, um,
1: he was yep. back like
0: was almost at 100. Yeah, yeah, he was
1: almost yeah. back at 100%. The, the way, how quickly he had to have moved from the moment the the David supporter walked into the house, walked down the stairs, and and the mattress is empty. You see the bloodstain from mm-hmm. from Joel, and dude's walking around, checking, to see if everything's clear, and Joel just comes up from behind and stabs him in the neck with, with the knife. I thought, I was like, wow, like, Pretty, pretty fast for someone who's been incapacitated for quite some time. Right. I, I was impressed. And he didn't he did not stop. He did not let up at all. This, really is good a, this
3: is where the beginning <laughs> to episode six uh, pays off again, because when they when he and Ellie um, basically kidnap the uh, the older couple. Right. He Same tactic you show me where you are and she better be t- doing the same thing. So we, we see how uh, that stuff plays out. Like all these Easter eggs from earlier episodes, just continuing to pay off as we get later in the season.
2: Mm-hmm. Marcy, you were saying something? No, I was just going to, I just thought that was some really good penicillin. Like the fact that fast acting penicillin, he was just back.
1: <laughs> yeah. I have no idea how, how much, dosage ellie was giving him how frequent it was but it it did the damn trick obviously and and i liked to kind of round out what tristan was saying about you better you better be honest because you know i'm gonna ask your buddy over here and he better say the same thing it ends up not asking the second person and he's <laughs> like oh picks up like this i don't know a uh, metal pipe, or metal pipe. pipe. Metal pipe and he and dude's like I ain't telling you shit. Fuck you, whatever. And he's like, oh, don't worry, I believed him. Whack. Like that was fucking. That was so cold. Oh man, was I, so I can't cold. tell you. I cannot tell you how many times throughout this episode, I was saying fuck yeah, like fuck yeah. <laughs> it was
0: great. And, and I bet one of those scenes was the next one where Ellie breaks David's finger. And Brittany, you you want to walk us through that? Oh.
1: My goodness gracious, y'all. This this was where I think I fell in love with Ellie. I She's my hero at this point for being 14 years old and living in, in this apocalyptic era. She is playing, or it seems like she's playing into David's hands when he's revealing all these truths or quote unquote truths about himself, about his violent heart and how she has a violent heart. He recognizes it. You're a true leader. I'm a true leader together. We can take over the galaxy. Sorry, that's the wrong movie. (laughs) Um, But you know, you get the idea. He is trying to appeal to her to say, in other words, for you to survive, you and I need to join forces together. We have a, a A future we can make things happen etc and you see ellie who's far back in the cage walk very you know very slowly towards him and he rests his hand on on the bars and then she puts her hand on the on the opposite side and he you know puts his hand over hers (laughs) and she does the same thing and then in a split second she breaks motherfuckers fingers and is trying to get the keys off of him so that she can escape and he of course will will bang her head up upside the the iron bars and and now he's pissed off right now now he's gonna kill her before he was gonna save her by making her into his little god knows what sex slave or or little wifey i don't know it was very disturbing i was cringing and and he throws back at her Something she said earlier about being cut up into tiny little pieces, and and says basically that's your fate now, and walks away. But before he walks away, she she finally reveals her name, mouth all bloodied, you know, she's kind of rough shape, and she says Ellie. He goes, "What, Ellie? Tell tell them that little girl, Ellie, fucking broke your fingers, <laughs> and it was just like, you're my hero. I love you. It was great.
3: And all this is uh, adapted." pretty much one-to-one from the game. Um, and it's, it's so scary in the game, because you you get to that point and you really think, like, how is she gonna get out of this? Like, I, I don't see any way <laughs> that she's gonna get out of this. Um, and like, David at this point is way more sinister. Um, he's uh, When she breaks his finger in the game, like he is super pissed, uh, just as we see in the show, so. I, I love the one to one like adapt- adaptation from the game to like this particular scene because this is again this is one of the more iconic also towards the end. It's one of the more iconic uh, parts of the game. Um, so I love seeing that.
0: But in the game doesn't um, as listening to the podcast, they, they talked about how in the game, David and Ellie kind of have to team up to take down some clickers, right?
3: And that's what i meant by there being more much more action um so after ellie follows david back to this, like this shed or this little off building uh in between where the deer was and where their uh resort is and they're sitting there having a conversation and they get basically ambushed by a bunch of uh, a horde of infected including a bloater like it's out of nowhere like they're coming through the windows you have to shoot them um before they get inside the building uh a few of them make it in and it's just Ellie and David back to back so the bonding moment doesn't happen over a conversation it happens through like actual gameplay um and in the show they kind of bond over um just you know David in like his very easy kind of like cool dad talk um before Ellie realizes that you know this, the story he's telling is about her and Joel so it's a little bit different that's why again i expected 10 times more action um because i thought you know you you at least get a few more infected but i do like that the show is not overusing the infected like the threat of the infected are always there right like they're in all corners of the earth uh they're underneath the earth you know in some cases and the show is being a lot more diligent maybe it's budget but like the show is more diligent in how it chooses to utilize them um, as a force, as, as, you know, something to be reckoned with. And the reason why I thought this show was going to take off is not because of the, of the infected. It's, it's the, the conflict between human versus human, right? <laughs> Humans that all think that they're doing the right thing, they're doing good. David thinks he's doing the right thing, right? Twisted as that is, he thinks that, he absolutely thinks Joel is dead. So he thinks that he's providing Ellie, like, this safe space in this, you know, world where otherwise she'd be alone and she'd die, right? He's looking at her as like like an animal, like you know, what do what do people say before they kill off the animals? Like without the mother, or without this protector, this kid is gonna die, right? And by the time we get to the end of this episode, we see that Ellie is no longer a kid, right? She's no longer like it's no longer the like lone wolf and a cub. These are like two wolves, right? And we see that through, like the way that she's able to like read these situations. She knows, hey, if David puts his hand on my hand, I have an opportunity there to break his finger and try to go for these keys, right? When um, David slams the the knife, uh, well, the butcher knife on the table, she understands what to say. And again, con- contrast this with Joel when he's been like in these pressure moments, and he like he tells Tommy, "I did not know what to say." Ellie knows what to say. Right. Ellie, again, we're seeing the maturation of Ellie as as a wolf and not just like this cub. She knows where the knife is. She knows how to buy herself time to use that knife to kill James and then make her escape. Like she's learning through practice, through experience, and not just by hearing the things that Joel's saying. She's actually starting to apply these things to become an Ellie. We're going to know and kind of love, kind of fear.
1: (laughs) There's a comment here from Melissa. She says, "I love Ellie outsmarting David with the bite on the hand." And, and Marcy, if if this is something you you can kind of walk us through, uh, we've already talked about how mm-hmm. Ellie kind of ends up on this butcher table, but like tell us what what went on in that moment with David and and James because they're they're about to they're about to kill her.
2: Yeah, it was actually pretty scary. Like I was very scared for her. They just pick her up and just slam her on the table, and I was like, "Wow, this is." really violent that they're willing to do this to a kid. I mean, just she's still a kid and you're willing to do this. Okay. Like you definitely have no humanity left. So they're about to, you know, kill her basically and chop her up and feed her to everybody. Um, she is smart and takes the opportunity to say like, Hey, look, I've bitten you on the hand. Um, I'm infected too. Like you need to stop. And you know, they're like, "Mm, don't believe you. Um, So she tells him like, okay, like lift up my, my sleeve so you can see. And um, I think they wanted to be very skeptical, but I definitely saw the fear in David's face when he saw that he was like, no, she would have turned already. But I think there was still something in him that was like, holy shit. Like now what have I done? Um, So I love that she was able to outsmart him that way. And then use that to her advantage again, to be able to get that, butcher knife and then
0: just be like bye james yeah and you you tell she totally got like james is the one who right away says oh david like he really he he believes that david's going to become infected so that's perfect distraction for her to you know then take that cleaver to uh the side of uh, james's neck and Troy baker's done he's one and done with the show but uh yeah no she she's like you said tristan she's like the opposite of joel in this situation where she she knows what to do in these scenarios to stay alive. And uh, she's able to escape. David shoots at her and the uh, we get to the, we get to the end where David hunts Ellie down into the, into the old steakhouse. She uh, accidentally lights the place on fire. She has a, a a log from the fire. She throws it at David, but it hits the side of the, the wall and it lights the place starts, you know, it's lit on fire now. And then he's looking for her in this in this steakhouse while, you know, the place is catching fire. And, you know, he he screams, you know, you don't know how good I, I am, which oh. is such a like, you know, villain thing to say while, you know, chasing after this 14 year old girl in this steakhouse that's on fire.
1: Did y'all catch how he said there's you can't get out. The doors are locked. Did anyone else think of Joel Osteen like I did? I mean, just (laughs) out of sheer curiosity. uh, I can't be the only one out here who thought that sort of connection. Or I'm just a horrible person.
3: Osteen was was telling you, you can't get in.
1: You can't get (laughs) in. That's right. You can't get in. That's right. No, (laughs) that... That scene in itself was really scary. The fact that this whole place is going up in flames. He's taking, David's taking his sweet ass time trying to look for her. Of course, she's smart. She's she's moving. She's arming herself with with a steak knife or or something of that nature. And she's just waiting for the opportunity to come after him. But yeah, he's he's saying these things like, you know, we're not going to make it, or you're not going to make it out alive, implying that he would. Or maybe both. I'm trying to remember the line, but it doesn't really matter. The situation's bad. Ellie knows that she's got to get out of here somehow. She knows that he has the keys, especially if the doors are locked from the inside. And when opportunity strikes, she leaps after him, stabs him in in the belly, and he kind of bests her for a moment, knocks her down on the ground. And as she's trying to reach for the cleaver that he was wielding, He stops her and he gets on top of her. (gasps) This is where my heart like leapt out of my my chest. I was infuriated. I was so scared for Ellie. And like Bella Ramsey, my goodness gracious girl, like talk about a master class performance right here. The fear on her face, she's clinging on for dear life. And finally... It, it happens, right? She finally is able to to take down David, and it's not just you know one swing to the face or whatever the knife landed, right? She goes again and again and again, like awesome. to make sure.
3: I'm sorry. <laughs> and then she pauses, and she keeps going again, okay. and again. She
1: she wants to make sure that he is not going to get up to assault her or anyone else for that that matter probably pretty sure that's not what she's thinking but <laughs> yeah th- that was intense
0: and, and Brittany, while, right before this happens we see joel is has found his way to you know he's very close to the vicinity of where this is happening and they set it up like he's going to do this traditional hero thing and come and make the save and that's what you're led to kind of think he's going to do i mean especially when david is on top of ellie you're thinking okay Joel's going to bust the door and blow this guy's brains out. That's what, that's what I thought. Like I, I fell forward. I thought oh, that that makes a lot of sense. And then, but for her to then get out of that spot and then to get on top of him and then just, you know, like we, we talked about stab him, you know, 25 times or whatever, and just, you know, make sure he's dead. That's an incredible moment. Honestly, like it's, it was a really strong finish to the episode.
3: And this is a deviation from the game. So um, same thing. I mean, Ellie escapes um, after killing James and she's making her way through the, the steakhouse. So the, the game has this they have these, these missions or like these parts where you have to if you're facing like this really big, bad villain, you have to like sneak up behind them multiple times. Right. Just so just as she's kind of so annoying. right it's, it's the scariest shit ever. Right. Because you can't attack these people head on. You have to sneak up behind them and you have to stab them and they will like, you stab them, they'll smack you away and then you'll go hide again and then kind of restart this over until you, you know, get the, the final blow. Um, but Joel actually finds a way in, in the game and Joel, you know, helps save her or whatever. Right. Um, but it's same in this the entire thing is on fire. <laughs> so like you're sneaking around trying to trying to catch David from behind um while also trying to you know dodge these like drop you know dropping you know pieces of wood that are on fire and stuff like that it's again it's a really harrowing part of the game like it's it's anxiety inducing but it's one of the best parts of the game honestly
1: and now knowing that this was a deviation from the game marcy like what what does that mean for you knowing and seeing that the creators decided to have Ellie save herself from the situation.
2: I loved it. I'm glad that that's a choice that they made um, because I think it was important for Ellie to do that for herself. She's gone through so much trauma throughout this whole season. She has all this pent up anxiety, trauma, anger, fear, everything. Um, And I think that, at that moment, that's what was happening, right? Not only does she want to kill David because of all the terrible things that he's done to her and, you know, was going to do to her, but that was like her cathartic release of everything else that she's been through this season. So I love that they had her save herself. Um, I don't think it was overkill just because he was a terrible person. So I was like all for it. Um, I like that they did this. Yay for violence. <laughs> Yay.
0: <laughs> so after Ellie uh, breaks free from the, uh, from the fiery steakhouse, she's, she's now outside the building and Joel, he finds her, comes up from behind her. And then of course she thinks that she's being attacked by somebody else. And she's screaming, let me go, let me go, whatever. And then he, he comforts her and he says, it's Okay it's going to be okay, baby girl, which is what he told his daughter, you know, 20 years ago, the last time he saw her. So uh, Tristan, what, what would that, what was that moment like for you? And how, and is that a part of the game at all either? Is that, is that separate? Do, does he have a moment where he embraces her and refers to her as baby girl?
3: Yes. Okay. Uh, I can't remember if it's in the same vein, but yes, he does. Um, but I love, oh my God, that it was the perfect, I don't say perfect there's so much happening there um like Ellie like she's struggling to like verbalize what happened so she just kind of leans into him um and again this this kind of mirrors back to earlier in the episode when she after she gives him the penicillin she just kind of leans into his chest and what is being shown there first of all with Joel not being the one that saved her is we're seeing something break inside of Ellie, right? Now, how sustainable is it? Like, we'll, we'll see as we continue to go forward, especially into the next season. But what happened inside of that steakhouse transformed Ellie, and she's never going to be the same. But what we're seeing is that Joel is still, or he's becoming increasingly like a center for her to always come back to. We talked about it in 1923, like, you know, Spencer having a center to come back. Alex is his center, regardless of how far he may be off. But Alex is his center. Joel is Ellie's center, and, and Ellie is Joel's center. And she, in a way, he did kind of save her <laughs> because after going through that experience, she needed somebody to be there to let her know that it's it's okay. Like the thing that she just experienced, the thing that she witnessed, it's okay right like joe didn't need to like physically come in and, and save her from david he needed to like be there emotionally that's right. what she needed the most there um and for joel ellie is saving him <laughs> right like being like breaking through that wall of being able to call her baby girl like he's he no longer sees her we're way past the cargo part i didn't believe that when he said it but well, we're, we're so far past that. We're so far past her being somebody that he can let go of, like just in general. And I'll use this to, to make my final prediction of this season, which is, if you love this episode, the finale, I think, just based on what I know from playing, is going to be way better than episode eight. Right? And again, it's, a, it's the big payoff of the emotional journey that both of them have been on towards each other, Mm -hmm. being able to accept each other as not just companions, but family. Like Joel sees Ellie as family and vice versa. And that's going to inform both of their actions as we move forward. And not just in, in next episode, but as we move forward in this overall story, like season two and beyond, whatever that looks like.
0: So so Marcy, what are your thoughts on how Joel comforts Ellie after all that happens in this episode?
2: I thought it was so sweet. It made me very emotional, definitely for Joel and Ellie, just seeing again, like Tristan said, just that relationship solidifying and you know that they're way past just you know, she is cargo and he's just, you know, the guy shepherding her to wherever she needs to go. Um, I loved it as a viewer. I loved it. Listen, I don't know if I've just been single for too long, but just I was like, do I need somebody to like stab somebody in the kneecap for me? Like, is that what I mean? <laughs> like that scene did a lot for me. And then just like the end also did a lot for me. So yes, Pedro Pascal. Thank you. You were amazing in this episode and amazing in that close. I loved it. So as a viewer, like, I liked it that way, but also as like taking it in the context of like this father daughter relationship, I thought that that was just really, really sweet.
3: And lastly, like think about the religious symbolism of Ellie, basically having to fight a devil like figure in this fire right? And escaping that into like this pure white snow, right? And the only thing that's pure in her life at this moment is her relationship with Joel. Mm -hmm.
0: Very well said. Brittany, how do you follow that?
1: (laughs) Thug tears, all right? Thug tears were shed the moment he embraced her. The moment that he called her baby girl, like I I stopped and I looked at, at John and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm actually about to cry right now. Just because the the first, not the first, but when Ellie and Joel first met, how hardened he was towards her and how he you could tell he absolutely wanted nothing to do with her. She more or less felt the same way, but she was just happy to have someone in her life to to walk this journey with and to see that hardened wall break around Joel and for him to just embrace her as his own, if you will, and, and calling her baby girl. Cause that's not like, that's not like a nickname that you give just anybody like that person has to mean something incredibly special to you, of course, family or not. And that moment for me solidified just how much Joel really needs Ellie but i am very concerned about ellie's state of mind and 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 wellness from here on out because i don't know if this is something that she's going to be able to recover from regardless of having joel as her center or not it it just seems really concerning like something something just broke inside her and there's i don't know if anyone is going to be able to help her kind of mend that and including herself because that's something that no child, no person, despite any age should ever have to endure. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a beautiful moment but but it also comes with some sort of repercussions. Not because Joel wasn't there or anything. I'm not saying any of it is his fault. It's just every every action has a consequence and it's I I'm just very concerned about Ellie.
0: But, you know, looking ahead to, and we see the, the little teaser for the season finale, it does seem like Ellie is focused on the mission. You know, she's quoted as saying, after all we've been through, it can't be for nothing. There's no halfway with this. We, we, we finished what we started. So, um, and I mean, the, the teaser is very quick. It's 30 seconds. Maybe there's a lot of action. It seems, um,
3: I think we're getting a flashback too.
0: Oh, flashback. Okay. Mm-hmm interesting
3: well, i think i know who's going to be in that flashback i
1: think you're right because that scene seemed very familiar and Joel looked very healthy <laughs> considering the state that he's currently in so and there
3: was a, i think there was a quick uh image of somebody we have not seen yet in
1: this I, I think you're right
3: yeah. okay I, I but now he's gonna make you cry let's,
1: damn let's, it Tristan
3: it's it's gonna you're gonna cry so
1: not ready for this Love. i'm ready for it what
0: other <laughs> expectations? yeah what other finale expectations do we have uh marcy i'll start with you first what, what's your expectation for the finale
2: um like tristan said i probably gonna cry expectation is that we're going to see a little bit of a more hardened ellie and like what comes with that so i'm interested to see that and also i'm interested to see Joel knowing everything that Ellie had to go through or maybe like not knowing the extent of all she had to go through how does that also affect him feeling like I was supposed to be protecting her and I let her down
3: and I don't know if this is going to happen like I have no information on this but based on who I think we're going to see hopefully we get a little uh even more backstory on why Ellie is immune right and like some of the machinations that led her to ultimately lead, lead her to Joel. Like, I, hopefully we see that. I, again, I have, this is pure speculation. Um, again, the only thing I, I will say is that outside of, like, the finale will make you cry. Um, the finale, I, I, one, is a perfect payoff for, like, again, Joel and Ellie's relationship and the build-up to, to it over the course of the season. Um, and it's going to, like, I, I've said this in previous episodes, if they keep the finale the way it is in the game it's going to cause you to look at one of these characters in a certain way um in a very complex way meaning like there's just different ways you can look at their actions um but you will understand why they made the actions but it won't make it any more any less heartbreaking i would say um this finale is going to be It's going to be great. I I have all expectations it's going to be like a really, really great uh, finale. I can't wait.
0: Brittany, what do you think? you think we're going to get like a cliffhanger kind of ending or?
1: oh, Without a doubt. And listen, this is coming from someone who genuinely had no interest in watching this show. And Tristan convinced me. And I thank you for that, but I also hate you at the same time because I'm so invested in this show and the the outcomes for these characters again i I, i'm concerned for ellie's well-being i'm concerned if she'll be able to come back from it i don't I, i don't anticipate she will but now i'm also just curious overall the direction that they're headed are they going to go back to jackson where joel's brother is and try to get supplies once once more before heading off in the direction to I think it was Salt Lake City where maybe the fireflies uh, moved to or what's the next move like how do you how do you come back from that whole situation of Joel basically being at death's door and Ellie being a- assaulted to a degree, but more mentally and emotionally assaulted? I, I think it would be fair to say. So I, I don't know, I don't have any predictions for the finale. I, I I obviously just have more questions than than anything to offer because is she is she really in it at this point? I, I I agree with Tristan about what we saw in the teaser was a flashback to when Ellie and Joel and and Tess started this journey, but is that going to be the same after Ellie has gone through what she's gone through?
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I, I didn't catch the flashback part of the trailer. So that, that's, that kind of changes my view on what to expect that, you know, is it going to be a flashback heavy finale? Probably not, but I mean, they could, they, this show could make that work. You know what I'm saying? Like they had, they've, you know, with episode three and for much of episode five, like the way they told that story. Oh, well, I mean, episode seven obviously was a, was a, you know, looking back a character, thinking back to her past and all that's happened. Um, I wouldn't put it past this show. They could pull that off. I I do think that we're going to get more of the clickers. I I agree with Tristan and the fact that I think they've done a really good job of, you know, it's, it's like in the movie jaws, like jaws is way scarier because you don't see the shark every five minutes. The more you see the shark, you're like, Oh, that's just a big, dumb, fake looking thing. But like not seeing it and being scared, it's is way more powerful. And that's what they've done with this, with the clickers in this, in this show. And, but I do think we're going to get some, there's going to be some kind of battle or something with the clickers. And, uh, I'm looking forward to it. This has been an absolute blast of a show to follow. It is just another like notch on the belt for HBO for their, like their, I mean, they have the title belt for like prestige shows. Like they have all the best shows. I mean, yeah. Netflix has some every once in a while. And, you know, like, maybe you know peacock might have something or or disney plus but like hbo consistently has the top shows and this has become one of their one of their like criminal criminal like rim like right up there with succession game of thrones so i'm excited to see uh to see how the season ends and we know that it's going to be at least be a three season show um the head of hbo on a podcast a few weeks back he mentioned that that was the plan is three seasons so that's uh that's good to know considering the game is only two games. So
3: they've already began begun talking about how we're going to make the third game. So okay. uh, by the time we get to the third season, I think we'll have a third game. I can't wait.
0: And <laughs> yeah, I think I think season 2 for The Last of Us is shooting this year at some point. So uh, that probably means season 3 will be or, I'm sorry, season 2 will air either late 2024 or early
3: 2025? I'm i thinking 2025. Probably. Um, Bella, Bella needs to grow up a little bit because the gap between um, the first game and the second game is four years. Not right. like in real time, but like L, uh, Ellie ages by four years. Uh, okay. In there, so.
1: And I'd imagine that HBO wouldn't want to have two not saying this would be bad but two hit sh- hit series airing at the same time because i'm anticipating house of the dragon is going to be coming out probably the end of 2024 give or take oh they
0: won't air at the same time they'll yeah that 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 eight o'clock you know for us central time, sunday yeah. sunday time slot is like their that's their time spot cherished. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah so they won't They'll, there's going to be a buffer between those shows. If those mm-hmm. are, they won't be. They won't even be back to back, probably. So, <laughs> it's like, all like they they do it quarterly. They try to have like a big show every quarter right. to get people to you know continue to subscribe to their services and everything. But uh, yeah, this has been this has been fun following this show, and I'm I'm really looking forward to the finale. So, uh, do y'all have any final thoughts before we sign off? This
1: is I'm I'm ready for it. No, I'm not ready for it. I'm ready for it, but I'm not ready for it. Like. <laughs> Give,
3: give Bella Ramsey all the awards for this episode.
0: Of oh, all the yes. Awards. Yeah, she's, she's great. Like, she's definitely like, yeah. I mean, Liana Mormont was like her big first kind of role. But, I mean, she's already surpassed that with uh, with uh Ellie. So, very The cool. North remembers. Right. Yeah, I <laughs> plan to
1: remorse. fight for the
3: North. I plan to fight for the North. Not have somebody fight for me. God damn it. There we go. <laughs> God damn it, Leon.
0: There we go. <laughs> damn it oh man so now you know what we think about episode eight of the last of us we want to know what you think about it and Brittany, how can people tell us what they think about the show
1: so we encourage everyone to join our live streams just like today we appreciate those who have taken the time to join us melissa and yesenia appreciate y'all being here so much if you haven't done so already don't forget to subscribe to our youtube channel as well as like this video and hit that notification bell. That way, you know, the next time we'll be live streaming. But in the meantime, you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's at watchers basement. You can also help spread uh, the word about us by using hashtag watchers basement. You can send us articles, memes, whatever. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, clickers, uh, bloaters, whatever. It's cool. Like just tell, just tell the whole world, even religious cults. Right. That's cool too. Not really.
3: Especially though. (laughs)
1: And last but not least, uh, you can find us wherever you get your audio podcasts, including Apple, Google, and Spotify. Thanks to anchor.fm. Be sure to give us a five-star rating and Justin, I think for the finale episode, we're changing things up just ever so slightly.
0: Yeah, we're going to do something different. We're going to kind of do an instant reaction pod on Sunday night. We're going to, we haven't determined the time yet, but we're going to go live Maybe an hour or so after the episode ends. So check us out on Sunday night after the Last of Us uh, season finale airs,
3: buddy. I will be inebriated. (laughs) Good copious (laughs) notes, sir.
0: It should be a good time. Yeah. (laughs) Instant reaction to the season finale. So check us out on Sunday night. So be sure you're
1: subscribed here.
0: That's the best way. Yeah. So thank you, Brittany. So for Brittany, for Marcy, for Tristan, this is Justin saying, we'll see you next time. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a good evening.